Hello, this is Jenny Nichols, and this is Local Share Green Action, a podcast where people share their stories about meaningful, planet-friendly work in their local communities. They share their paths of green action and the ways they have applied their own talents, interests, and all types of green projects, jobs, businesses, volunteering, and careers. Today on our podcast, I'm speaking with someone who founded a company that helps people purge, declutter, and organize with a specialization in zero waste. I'm speaking with Lauren Winters West with Next Highest Good, located in San Francisco, California. Lauren Winters West is the founder and chief expert organizer at Next Highest Good. As far back as she can remember, Lauren has enjoyed decluttering and organizing spaces for friends and family. She began organizing professionally after more than 20 years in a wide breadth of job capacities, including being a music video producer, a marketing executive at a Fortune 500 company, and a nonprofit executive director. Since 2016, Lauren is proud to focus full-time on organizing and offering her services to help people create spaces that maximize healthy, sustainable living and productivity. Lauren is passionate about zero waste and merging her commitment for keeping items out of the landfill with her love for organizing to ensure every item goes to its next highest good. From blankets and paint to prescription medications and eyeglasses, she has a wealth of knowledge for the sustainable disposal of a huge range of unwanted items. She's also a member of Good Future Design Alliance and lives in San Francisco with her husband and son. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Thank you so much, Jenny. I'm so excited to speak with you and find out more about your path of green action that led you to creating an organizing service with sustainability consulting services. So what planted the seeds for you to want to start taking some kind of green action originally? Originally, it goes way, way back. I can remember times in high school being the one who was yelling at people to not throw their garbage out the window, believe it or not. They did that when I got, remember having an experience getting really upset being with some kids in high school that threw a bag of garbage out the window and just pouting in the back seat after yelling at them. Um, So it goes really far back for me. I did not focus on it uh, on a professional level until, let's see, we moved from the East Coast um, about 11 years ago. And I had a couple of jobs here. I've had a, such a wide range of jobs and it started to come around, I think for me professionally, when I was the executive director of an organization that focused on active, activating communities to keep garbages, get garbage off the beach before it was a problem in the ocean, difficult and costly to clean. And then I did that for about five years and was really uh, burning out running a nonprofit and went back to the drawing board. Like I said, I'd had so many different jobs that I kind of said, okay, what do I really want to do when I grow up? And I just threw everything at the wall and saw, found the, I always say to people, follow the breadcrumbs. And I always had a love of organizing and a talent for it and realized you can make a living at it have a flexible schedule. There were limited barriers to entry. You could just say you were doing it and start uh, figure out an hourly rate and get to it. And I just kept putting one foot in front of the other and then realized that I could merge that with my passion for zero waste and then literally got the chills, got very scared and realized that that was that was the path. That was it. These were the, this was, this was it. This was the way that I could go into business for myself, do what I was truly talented at, 
make a living, set my own schedule. It just checked the box on so many things and um, haven't looked back. It's been great. That's, that's, that's awesome. So in your work with a nonprofit, did you learn more about the issues of waste and trash and how that's coming from our households and ending up in places we don't want it? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I learned a, a phrase called branded litter, which I thought was says so much and was so interesting. And also about cradle to cradle design and about extended producer responsibility, um, which are kind of wonky terms, but that last one EPR means that the producers of these items should be responsible for, or should have responsibility for their product, whatever that be from a bag of Doritos to a refrigerator, once it's left their, their doors, it really externalizes the costs to community individuals and communities when we have no say in how these things are created but now it is our responsibility, our meaning our collective and also our municipalities from the smaller, smallest ones to the biggest ones to, to manage this waste stream that we had no, no say in how it was created. So that was really eye-opening for me um, and something that I get really fired up about and yeah. something I'd like to get more involved with in the future. There's different places in the world where companies are more responsible for their products. And I really would love to bring that more to our floor here in this country. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> um, so what have you found to be common challenges of people looking for organizing help? Oh, there's a few challenges with people looking for organizing help. I think there's a hurdle to people thinking they should be able to do it for themselves, which I mean, I'm happy to elaborate on, on that. Maybe I'll just list the challenges. That's one thing. It's like, I should be able to do this. This is my stuff. I should be able to do it myself. The other thing is some people don't even know that they're really overwhelmed by their stuff. That's one thing. Uh, another piece of it is people not wanting to let go of things either for um, sentimental reasons or also because they paid a lot for it or it's worth something. I don't want it to go in the landfill. Yeah, those are the ones that come to mind. Yeah. So on that token, how are you able to help people work through um, maybe emotions and material uh, attachments in that process of organizing? I hear so many things from my clients after we're leaving. I feel so much lighter. I feel like I just came from the hair salon. I can't believe what a weight is lift, lifted. They frequently use those terms. And I share a lot of anecdotes uh, with people about those uh, relating to those things that I just said. But also, I was just with a woman on Friday, and she has three kids, and lots they had lots of kids stuff. Her youngest is now old enough that the itty, the baby items they didn't need anymore, and she had this carriage, and she was really she knew it was time for the carriage to go but she was really attached to it and said oh you know I was ready to load it into my car and she said oh can I just one more and I said it's not the carriage that you want it's the memory of the carriage and she said yeah you're right and that really helped her she took a picture with her with the kids and also I had posted it on one of the buy nothing groups this carriage and a friend of mine texted me and said, I saw your post and this friend just adopted a child and said, can I have the carriage? And so I told her 
I told the client that this carriage was now going to a mom who had been wanting to adopt a kid for 10 years. She now has this kids. They don't have a lot of resources. And she was, oh, that makes me feel so much better. And so just really putting, (laughs) I don't want to say the faces to the names, but really allowing people to see their things going on rather than gathering dust in your garage, taking up space that you need either for other things or simply to just have more space for energy to flow. Um, And now they're going to go to somebody who's going to use it and love it, love it the way you did. That really helps. That really helps people. And knowing, I think the, the last bit of it is sort of elaboration on that is that knowing that my passion runs deep for finding the home for your thing. And so it's not going to end up in landfill. You know, I'm, people will say, I just don't want it to end up in landfill. And I sometimes get welled up and I say, oh no, <laughs> for my dead body, that's not happening. We have to find a place for this and somebody's looking for it. I mean, I have so many stories of all the great things that you're not quite sure who wants this now, but then somebody grabbed it and is doing something really cool with it. And it's just, it's that part is so fun for me. That's so cool. What, what, what is a buy nothing group? Oh, buy nothing is it's national. It could be, it could be, it could be international group. You can look it up Buy nothing project.com. I think is what it is. Might be.org. And there's different, I'm going to call them chapters all over. I think they're all through Facebook. And people posting things all the time that are all you're, you're, you make a commitment when you join the group to not, it's only a giveaway or in search of um, not nothing to be sold or bought. And it's yeah. Community shared community, like community. Cause it actually happened twice. I was with this client and I was posting a lot of things. I got one text with a woman about the carriage. I got another text from a woman, a friend of mine saying she's pregnant and could she have the, um, reusable diapers. (laughs) So it not only is it letting things go and um, going on to the next person, but also community creating. That's excellent. Do you end up turning a lot of people onto these types of groups? I mean, I do. Okay. Yeah. So it's, I do. It really is. um, I would imagine kind of creating circular economy within the community. Excellent. Exactly right. Exactly right. Circular economy within the community and building and sustaining and creating community. Nice. Nice. So how do you structure the process of, um, of the work that you do with people? Well, after the initial call, I'll just go back a step or two. Somebody contacts me either through the website or however they get in touch. And we set up a call, a 30 minute call to chat about what they're looking to accomplish. And I share with them our process which I'm about to share with you and our rates and such. And then they decide if they want to move forward when they do want to move forward. We do a little bit of virtual, but really bulk of my work is in person, which I actually prefer. And we go through what they have and categorize it um, and then allow for them to make decisions. I'm hesitating a little bit because it depends on what we're doing Um, And also varies just a little bit with each individual person's um, comfort level and their availability, because sometimes everybody's working from home nowadays. And a lot of times client is with us shoulder to shoulder and then, well, within six feet, of course. And then um, sometimes 
they have meetings all day and they'll pop in for a half an hour here and make decisions. So we'll use our a surface area, lay everything out. These are all the clothes, the toys, the whatever the category is, and they, they make decisions. And I say, just tell me what you don't want. Here's what you do want and tell me what you don't want. And then we are going to categorize it into what can go where to all the different organizations. There's a organization here in San Francisco that is absolutely essential to us keeping many things out of landfill. It's called Scrap and it's a reuse center. So they'll take puzzles with missing pieces. They'll take strange, for example, they took um, one of those silver uh, bubble folding items that goes in your car window to block out the sun. Um, it was, it was a little, it was misshapen and it was, I don't know what had happened to it. It looked like something had happened, but I thought somebody could make something out of this. And my, uh, my team member, she said, I don't know. And I, so she ended up bringing it there later that day and they took it. Just, I always think like, what could you make a robot costume out of? That's, that's my sort of standard for what you can give to scrap. So I, I digress, but I told the clients, tell me what you don't want. And then we categorize. So this will go to scrap. This will go to another organization that I just love called SF Smiles. It takes lots of stuff for kids and families, frequently things you cannot donate open packages of diapers, toiletries that are, you know, in good condition, um, car seats, those kinds of things. And so we're categorizing the whole time after they've said, no, I don't want this. And so we're figuring out where it's going to go. And then usually I cart things away myself and donate them to their next highest good or clients do it, but most frequently they have me do it. So you do the organizing with them. Are there like other types of services that you also offer as well? Yes, I work with people. So just to take that process home, we'll categorize things, we'll figure out what's going to leave the home. And then frequently, they want us to organize what's left. Um, Sometimes not. Sometimes we just do a donation run. That's pretty infrequent. But I also help people who are preparing to move or have just moved. So it's purging before they move. I, they know they don't want this or boy, I didn't realize I had five skillets, you know, five iron skillets. So why do I need that many? And it doesn't make sense to pay movers to move stuff you don't want. So sometimes preparing for moves, a full concierge move where I can bid the, uh, or get estimates from movers and be there on moving day to make sure the movers are taken care of and everything is happening and the plants get moved and the food comes in the fridge and all those types of things. And then, um, and, or, unpacking them when they get home to the new home, which is really nice. I also help people who are either adding a family member, having a baby or lost a family member. Um, Sometimes people hire me when someone has passed and they're going to sell the house and they need to clear everything out or, you know, donate the things. It sounds like it's probably um, helping people deal with times that can usually be very stressful. Definitely. So the way you're integrating zero waste is really making sure that all of these items have a place to live after they've used them. So do you integrate any tips or anything for zero waste living? Do you find that people um, ask about that? Yes. Yes. I definitely can help out with it. Sometimes people ask more than others. I have one client who's very passionate about zero waste and texts me all the time. She shares information with me that I love. Um, and it, usually it's the other way around where I say, hey, you're getting, I noticed you're getting a lot of junk mail. There's a great app for that. And we can help you do it. We can do it for you or 
you're welcome to do it yourself, but here's an app you can use because you're getting wads of, every time we're working your garage, I know there's wads of junk mail in there or a zero grocery uh, tip. Or I usually look at their home and I'm noticing certain things. I try not to be preachy. I don't think I am preachy. I, I probably could do a little bit better about that, actually. The work that I do with people is so intimate that I, I never, I'm very careful about offering too much. They know I'm here as a resource and I love it when they ask, but I try not to get too far. I always share what I've done, you know, um, buying through ThreadUp or selling clothes on the, how can we reduce our waste? How I always use myself as an example. And I do have other people that ask, another client asked that she lives in another county for me. And she said, hey, can you do some research for me? I want to know what to do with all the things. And I great, love it. That'd be great. Love to do that for you. Yeah. So I always learn in that process too, which is, which I love. Nice. Yeah. So what might um, be some challenges that you've faced um, with operating this type of company? I think the challenges are getting started and having all of the resources. I'm, like I said, I'm learning all the time of different organizations. And because the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area is so large, I can never know all the resources in all the pockets of the places of what's most efficient. I'm a little obsessed with efficiency. So that's, that can be a challenge sometimes is, do we carry this back and donate it here? Or where can this go now? And especially with COVID, there's an extra layer makes it a little challenging to donate things where you need appointments where you formerly did not. So we're storing more things in my garage and trying to find all the resources for the things. Pianos are really challenging. I know there's somebody that wants this piano that I have at a client home and where is it? So it's spending the time to figure that out. So then helping you to go through those challenges, you do like a lot of personal research and are there good sources that you go to that other people are doing similar things, kind of help each other out, like you mentioned? Exactly. I do a lot of research. I have a wonderful team who also have a lot of resources. So frequently sharing um, information and building a database, which I think will be helpful not only for us internally, but I would love to be able to share it because the point is for all these things to find their next highest good and not end up in the street or, you know, heaven forbid in the landfill. I would think it's just, it's actually great where you're located because it seems like they have a lot of really cool programs to make sure that those items don't get wasted where it's not always available in some other areas of the country, but it certainly are some great ideas for things that would, you know, do well in other places in the, in the country and help alleviate those problems. Absolutely. San Francisco is one of the leading cities in the country with their goal towards zero waste. And yet you still ride down the street and see a corner piled up with furniture probably would have been usable if it was, Somebody grabbed it before it rained or, you know, this that's super sad and hard to watch. Um, I recently, through the Good Future Design Alliance, you had mentioned that in my bio, they had a, um, a talk with a woman who started an organization out of Oakland, Furniture Cycle, and I'm not going to remember exactly what it was called, but she was inspired because she kept 
walking around and seeing furniture on the street. And so she started collecting data through pictures and then geotagging it and doing a ton of research on furniture waste. And um, I've heard the term fast fashion, but I had never heard the term fast furniture before. And so talking about quality products and how we can sort of reduce our impact in the furniture piece, because that's actually, that is one of the biggest challenges for me of uh, finding homes for things, pianos. Although I did see one in a um, plant shop yesterday, the little plant shop here near where I live. They, I, and I said something to the guy, this is great. Can I take a picture? And he said it was a street find and the part of it, the front of it was missing. So you could see the, the parts that, that actually make the percussion, the, the set, yeah, the keys hit the keys. And it was beautiful. And they had the little plants in there. And I said, this is perfect. And that's to me, next high is good for a piano. He said that it was missing a wheel and they started taking it home. And because of the friction on the other wheels, it started a fire. So they got a dolly, <laughs> told me this whole story about this amazing thing. Anyway, point is even a piano found on the street can have a home. So there's lots of ways to use things that, you know, repurpose, call it, that it isn't, you know, maybe it's originally used, but it still has a lot of life in it for something or other. So what are some of the ways that you and others are enjoying the rewards of your work, which I think you've shared a little bit, but maybe elaborate. This is the most satisfying job I've ever had. I mean, I have had clients tell me I've changed their life. I never thought anybody would say that to me, honestly. It's, it's so healing um, this work and to see the joy in people's eyes and feel the lightness of their energy and know that they're, we're doing such a service for them. Just, it brings me so much joy and satisfaction, true satisfaction. Um, I also love the puzzle. I love the puzzle of the organizing piece. Like how do we get this all in here? But I love the puzzling of what are we going to do with this piano? And one of my favorite stories which is actually on um, our social media on Instagram now, the story of a client named Emmy and her cradle. She's Emmy's now in her 70s and her kids are in their 50s. And when she was pregnant with the first child, they were living in Kentucky, she and her husband. And he, they were walking around one afternoon and saw this beautiful cradle and they left the store. And a couple of weeks later, it turned up at the house. He had bought her at it as a surprise. And she'd moved it how many times, I can't remember, several times from home to home to home. The cat, they became a cat bed at one point. And now she said, I'm in my 70s. My kids are in their 50s. We're not putting babies back in this thing. And I'm making a big move back to the East Coast. You know, what are we going to do with this cradle? And actually, she hired me right in February last year, right before everything shut down. And we didn't end up doing, she, we were going to do her move in the spring and ended up doing it in July. But every single time I talked to her, she said, what are we going to do about this cradle? And it was stunning. Big, a rocking cradle had these pegs and you could take it out and it rocked with a wood canopy. And I don't remember how I came up with the idea, but I remembered when, from when my son was little, this beautiful boutique children's store on Fillmore Street. And I emailed them with a picture and said, would you be interested in this? And the, Sarah, the owner of the store said, that would be great. We'd love it. It'd be a great display piece. And I told em, I asked Emmy first and she said, that sounds great. I know that store. Emmy was thrilled. Sarah was thrilled. I was thrilled. I'm getting the chills just telling you about it. It was like, yes, yeah. So um, that creativity, I think, is just, um, it's so satisfying. And I love it. 
You know, there's one thought I had. Do you also sometimes help people find maybe creative containers, maybe ones that they already have to organize their things instead of maybe running to the container store and buying all brand new things? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm always using, reusing and actually sharing among clients, which they don't seem to mind. I have another client who had a lot of those big bins with the lids that fold back down, loads of them. I mean, there was 20, some odd 30. And that same week we were helping um, one of our clients in Oakland clean his garage and he's an electrician and had a lot of tools and he had some, hadn't been there, but he had sent me a lot of pictures. And I thought, these bins need a home. He needs some bins. So we just lo- washed them out. They, they were in the garage and really gross. <laughs> washed them out, dried them and brought them over to, to Pete's for the next day. So it was, and we do that all the time, actually cleaning out, especially with moves when people have sort of, I call it infrastructure, but little layering pieces or turntables that go in the cabinets in your one kitchen, but maybe when you move, they don't fit in the other one. So I have a little stash in my garage here and just bring it to every job and I feel like the clients benefit because they're not buying new stuff Um, it just kind of keeps in flow it's my own little circular economy (laughs) but I do have a few things that are my kind of go-to that we purchase new from wherever bamboo turntables or I just I like to use bamboo I don't want to buy new plastic at all ever I think we pretty much succeed with that and there's lots of, oh, there's always lots of things you can use. So if your ideas and your wisdom and experience were all wrapped up in seeds of potential action for you to give to others, what advice would you give to someone that might be considering this in their local area? It's such a great question, Jenny. Thank you for that question. I, the advice I would give is, well, the first thing I would say is just go for it. And the second thing I would say is, and I hope this doesn't sound like a deterrent, but Make sure your heart is in it. If your heart is in it, just jump in with both feet and tell everybody what you're doing. And people love it. You'll get a lot of great responses. I had a lot of support from other organizers when I first started. I didn't necessarily have the specialization in zero waste at that time. No, I definitely did not. But I got a lot of support from other organizers doing it. Um, And... I think it's just really important if the zero waste piece in particular to have the heart and passion behind it, because it's a labor of love. A lot of times, like I mentioned my garage, like right now it's pretty piled up because I'm bringing stuff back here and it might not find its way to it's next size good for a little while, you know, or I know, for example, the woman with the cradle, she said, can you give it to me in 10 days? Okay, <laughs> you can hold on to that for 10 days. Um, and sometimes I've had skis in there. I've had um, glass shelves in there. Right now I have a huge piece of styrofoam that I eventually will make down to Recology and donate or uh, bring it to the recycling center. But there's a lot of, I don't know, what do I want to say? Like the labor piece to it that if you don't love it, it's going to drive, drive you or the people you live with crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's good advice. <laughs> so what resource would you like to recommend? Maybe a book or a website or a film that has been particularly helpful or informative? The book I recommend is called Clear Your Clutter with Feng Shui by Karen Kingston. Nothing to do with zero waste, but it has a very nice 
sort of attitude about your stuff and your relationship to it. That really helped me when I was first getting started. Okay, so um, what would you like to share with our listeners maybe to learn more about your business um, and your services? I do, I do. I have a couple of things to share. My website's informative and a great way to get in touch. Also our Instagram feed, which is Zero Waste Organizer. And that's telling lots of stories. You'll see Emmy's cradle up there and other stories of things and resources that we're finding. Uh, well, things we're finding new homes for and also resources that we love to share. Um, also on my website, there's a resource guide, um, which is based in the Bay Area, but it might be a good sort of template for somebody who's looking for something elsewhere in the country. Well, thank you so much for sharing this. Um, I think it's just really been interesting and very informative and uh, a wonderful service that you're offering to people. Thank you. I absolutely love thank it. You. And thank you for the opportunity to speak about it. It's been, that's, this is one of my dreams coming true right now of being a thought leader in the space and putting the lens of zero waste on organizing. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for joining us for Local Share Green Action. Until next time, let's all use our unique talents and abilities and take meaningful green local action that benefits the planet and people.